السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده ولا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another lesson of QP and inshallah ta'ala today we're going to continue with our tafsir of Surah Al-Buruj. In our last lesson last week we covered verses 10 and 11 of Surah Al-Buruj which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was speaking about the two groups of people. The first are those who try the believers, the believing men and the believing women and they don't repent to Allah azza wa jalla turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meaning that they die upon that oppression. They die upon that disbelief, they die upon that evil that they have done. For them, Allah Azza wa says they will have the punishment of the hellfire and the blazing torment. And we said that the position of a number of the scholars with tafsir is that these verses now, after having spoken about in the previous verses about the Ashab al the people of the trench, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now speaking more generally about everyone who tries and tests the faith of the believers. Everyone who punishes or harms or tortures or persecutes the believing men and the believing women. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, according to, as we said, a number of the scholars of tafsir, Allah azza wa jal isn't just speaking about ashab al-khudud anymore because they can no longer repent, no longer turn back to Allah azza wa jal. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stipulates, thumma lam yatubu. Then they don't repent, meaning they die upon the evil that they did. And so the position of a number of the scholars of tafsir was that Allah azza wa jal is referring to the Quraysh and the time of the Prophet وسلم, and the evil that they did to the Sahaba and the companions and the way that they were persecuted and tortured, especially in the early days of Islam. And then subsequently anyone who does something similar uh, after that time as well. And then in verse number 11, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about the other group of people and they are those who remain firm upon the Iman, steadfast upon the Iman, steadfast upon doing righteous deeds, steadfast upon the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For them, Allah says, For them is the great triumph, the great success, meaning the reward of this dunya and the reward of the akhirah, the rewards that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for them. And uh, inherent within that verse or understood within that verse is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is praising those people then who despite being tested and tried in their faith, despite the torture and persecution that they may be subject to, they continue to have iman, continue to do righteous deeds. And this is something which is an important point for us to remember. We spoke last week about how Allah Azza wa terms it success that if a person dies upon iman and righteous deeds. And look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here also is saying that those people who are tested, those people who are being tested and tried because of the iman, they are people of iman and righteous deeds, meaning that during those times of test and trial, they continue to have iman and they strengthen their iman and they come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they do more and more righteous deeds. And anyone that looks throughout the Qur'an and the Sunnah or the Seerah of the Prophet وسلم, will see this in action. They will see this as a methodology that the Prophet وسلم, applied. Allah Azza wa in the Qur'an on a number of occasions, when Allah Azza wa speaks to the Prophet وسلم, directly about the persecution that he suffered, about the abuse, verbal and physical, that he was subject to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often in the following verse will say to him and remember your Lord or prostrate or make tisbih 
praise your Lord and make this speech glorify Allah Azza wa Jal. And Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says, Wa'abud Rabbaka hatta yatiyakal yaqeen and continue to worship your Lord until death comes to you. You will find this often within the verses of the Quran. Make sajda, ibadah, worship of Allah, dhikr of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And so Allah Azza wa Jal is saying, Yes, we know what they're doing, we know what they're saying, we know what they, you're subject, you're being subject, subjected to. So what do you do? Make more ibadah. What do you do? Increase in iman. What do you do? Do more good deeds. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always in the Quran, the believers, especially in times of, of difficulty and especially in times of weakness, where they don't have the physical ability or the capability or the means to actually do anything about this, the suffering that they, or the oppression that they are suffering. Like for example, the companions in the Meccan period, the Prophet وسلم, the Muslims in the early Meccan period, didn't have much they could do. They didn't have an army, they didn't have a country, they didn't have wealth that was coming to them, they didn't have a Baytul Mal or treasury, they didn't have soldiers, they, they were weak. And they had very few that would stand up for them and protect them and help them. And so what does Allah say instead? Work on that which Allah wants you to work upon, because either you die in that state and that is for you Al-Fawzul Kabir, the ultimate success, or it strengthens you in your Iman, in your deeds, so that when that time comes, you're able to establish yourselves, you're able to do what Allah wants for you to do. And that is why after that 13 years of the Meccan period, when the Prophet and those companions went to Medina, now they have a country or a state, now they have their own system of governance and so on and so forth, the Muslims are ready. They don't need another five years, 10 years, 12 years, 20 years in order for themselves to, for them to be ready to then fight or, or, or defend themselves against the oppression of the Quraysh and others. They are ready because they're ready in terms of the Iman, they're ready in terms of their Ibadah, they're ready in terms of their righteous deeds. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala points them towards this. And that's why you see the Prophet wasallam throughout all of those difficult times in the early Meccan period, for example, let's take that as an example. The early Meccan period, the Prophet wasallam is going through so many difficulties and hardships. His companions going through so much difficulty and hardship. What is the Prophet wasallam doing? What's he doing about it? What's he doing during those times? Companions are being murdered, people are being persecuted, his wife passes away, Khadija radiallahu anha, his uncle Abu Talib who used to protect and defend him in public dies, passes away. What's he doing throughout all of that time? He's making ibadah and he's reading Quran and he's teaching the Quran and he's telling the companions to be patient and to work on those issues like in the hadith of Khabbab ibn al-Arat radiallahu anha, Sahih al-Bukhari. When Khabbab says, O Messenger of Allah, why don't you make dua for us? Why don't you ask Allah's help for us? And the Prophet tells him about those people who came before and their patience. And then he says to Khabbab, But you are a hasty people. Meaning that instead, you should focus on what Allah wants you to focus on. And that's why the early Meccan revelations, like this verse, like this surah, Surah Al-Buruj, all speak about the Akhirah. And they speak about Iman, and they speak about Hawfa and Paradise, and they speak about those things that strengthen a person's belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, strengthen their Iman. And that is how the believers should be. Because in every, not in every situation you can make a direct impact or a direct change, like we're seeing in our time today. You don't have necessarily the, the ability to make a direct impact to the suffering of others, or the oppression that they're facing, or the difficulties that they're... You don't have necessarily a direct thing that you can do. So one of the greatest things that you can do is to work on your Iman, to worship Allah Azza wa Jal. And that may seem to some people like it's a cop-out, it may seem to some people that actually it's not really doing much or helping much. But we know that our religion is based on what? It is based upon our Iman in Allah, based upon our certainty in Allah, based upon in times of hardship, 
turning to Allah Azza wa Jal with an increased sense of humility and humbleness and taqwa and iman, making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now if a person has a strong level of iman, strong in their ibadah, strong in their taqwa, their duas are more likely to be answered. Their turning to Allah Azza wa Jal is more likely to be answered. Their standing in the middle of the night is more likely to be answered. And everything that they do, the sadaqah that they give is more likely to have barakah in it and more likely to be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so those things make an impact because as the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the hadith, he said it is because of the weak amongst you that you are, that you are, tunsarun, that you are given assistance and help. And in some narrations he said sallallahu alayhi wasallam by their duas, by their calling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by their turning to Allah Azza wa Jalla. They didn't say because of their physical strength, didn't say because of their wealth. Allah Azza wa Jalla doesn't need your money, doesn't need, he, what he wants to see from you is your level of taqwa and your iman, your ibadah, especially in times of difficulty. And that is why the prophets of Allah, all of them, alayhi salatu wasalam, in times of hardship and difficulty, were the most when it came to ibadah, when it came to iman, when it came to learning about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, learning about his religion and so on and so forth. And so this is something which the believer should always be doing when it's a, a direct calamity or difficulty that falls upon you, even more so the reason. But when it's not direct or it's indirect or it's happening to others, and there is little that you can do other than obviously you make dua and you give charity in, in a way that is good and beneficial and so on, you do what you can. But there is also a lesson within for me and you that we should also turn back to Allah Azza wa Jalla and make more in terms of ibadah, in terms of iman, in terms of strengthening our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that is what Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying here الكبير, that is the true success so even if you don't achieve anything else the fact that through that process you have attained Allah's pleasure and His reward by having Jannah, by having the great success on Yawm Al-Qiyamah that is all that you need the affairs of the Ummah are not my responsibility or yours we do our part and we play our part but in terms of its overall direction, what will happen to it. Those are issues that are in the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Azza wa Jalla has given leadership to certain people that He has chosen subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are the people that Allah decreed will be leaders. Not necessarily everyone else. For me and you though, we have another thing that we have to focus on and that is that we have to make sure that we have Al-Fawzul Kabir in this life and in the next bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. So in today's episode, we continue from verse number 12. And that is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن بطش ربك نشديد Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 12, in the translation of Sahih International, Indeed, the assault, or in brackets, vengeance of your Lord is severe. And Mufti Taqi, the seizure of your Lord is severe indeed. And Professor Abdul Halim, your Lord's punishment is truly stern. And Muhsin Khan, verily, uh, and then in brackets of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the seizure, and then in brackets, punishment of your Lord is severe and painful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, verse number 12, according to uh, some of the scholars of tafsir, and we mentioned this, I think, when we, uh, one of the early lessons of the tafsir of this surah, uh, where we were speaking about what is the jawab al-qasim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we know at the beginning of this surah, began with a number of oaths. وَالسَّمَاءِ ذَاتِ الْبُرُوجِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْمَوْعُودِ وَشَاهِدٍ وَمَشْهُودٍ Allah Azzawajal began the surah with four oaths. He took an oath by the heavens and what they contain of the stars. He took an oath by the, the promised day, which we said by Ijma' is the day of judgment by consensus of the scholars of tafsir. 
and then by the witness and what is witnessed. And we mention the different positions amongst the scholars of tafsir or the different statements rather uh, that the scholars of tafsir had in terms of of what, what those two things are. But the point is that Allah Azza wa takes an oath by four things. What is he taking an oath for? We said that many of the scholars of tafsir were of the position that it is for verse number four and that is Qutila Ashabul Ukhtud that indeed the people or cursed are the people uh, who were the people of the trench, meaning the people who dug the trench. Because Ashab al-Khudud is used in two contexts as we've seen to refer to those who dug the trenches and therefore threw people into the trenches and from the believers. And Ashab al-Khudud as in the people who fell into the trenches. They are also the people of the trench in a different way or a different context. So that was one position as we said. The other famous position amongst the scholars of tafsir is that the Jawab al-Qasim is here in verse number 12. That Allah takes an oath or takes those oaths for this verse. That indeed your Lord's punishment is truly stern. This is the Jawab al-Qasim. In which case, when you have a Qasim and a Jawab al-Qasim, the norm is that you take an oath and then you mention very soon after, if not immediately after, the reason for which you took an oath. By Allah, I will make Hajj this year. By Allah, I will go to such and such a place. By Allah, I will fast this day and that day. So you take the oath and what you took the oath for is mentioned more or less immediately afterwards. If it isn't, if it is delayed, there's usually a reason for that delay. So you mention, for example, a number of things and those things are mentioned for a reason, for a, a, a purpose. And then you mention the Jawab al-Qasim. The norm is that it's mentioned straight after. And that's why, as we said, most of the scholars or many of the scholars of tafsir said that, that verse, verse number four was the Jawab al-Qasim. Others said, no, the Jawab al-Qasim is here. Verse number 12, this is the reason for which Allah Azza wa took those oaths because this is one of the major objectives, if you like, of the surah, one of the main themes of the surah, and that is that the punishment of Allah Azza wa is severe. When Allah punishes, it is not something to be trifled with, not something to be uh, to, for you to consider or someone to consider to be insignificant, but it is strong and it is severe and it is stern and it is extremely harsh the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this is the reason for which Allah Azza wa took the oath. It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, by the one who created the heavens and the and that which it contains and the one who will de- determine the day of judgment and by everything that is a witness and by everything that is witnessed, indeed the punishment of your Lord is severe. So why then all of those verses that came in between the first three verses and verse 12, they said because Allah wants to establish for you an example of his iqab, his, his adab, an example of how Allah's punishment is stern and severe. And so Allah mentions to you surah, the, the story of the people of Khutud, the people of the trench, as well as some of the lessons that can be taken from it. And then Allah comes to the objective here. And this was the position, meaning that this verse is the Jawab al-Qasim. Uh, it was the position of some of the scholars of, of, of Arabic language, such as al-Mubarrid, he said that this verse is the Jawab al-Qasim and others such as from the scholars of Tafsir such as Abdul Malik ibn Juraj. Ibn Juraj ta'ala, is the famous scholar from the contemporaries of Imam Malik, ta'ala, the famous scholar of Mecca. It is said that just as Imam Malik was the Imam of Medina of his time, Ibn Juraj was the Imam of Mecca of his time. His name is Abdul Malik ibn Abdul Aziz ibn Juraj, but he's often known as Ibn Juraj. He also was of this position, and there is a riwayah or a narration from Ibn Mas'ud, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, to say the same, that he said, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, verse number 12, he says, inna, which as we know means verily or indeed or surely, it is to emphasize something and to show its importance. And then Allah uses the word al-baqsh. And al-baqsh, uh, as Abu Hayyan said, he said, it is al-akhdu bil-quwa. It is to take something harshly or to punish something or to see something harshly. And Ibn Atiyah said, wa with a great level of speed and with a great deal of power. And so the word batsh generally refers to punishment. It is a name or a term from the terms of punishment that Allah refers to. And batsh refers to something which is done with a great deal of force and a great deal of speed. That indeed this punishment of your Lord, meaning he is swift subhanahu wa ta'ala in his punishment, when he decrees that it will descend, it descends and it is swift. And it is also harsh or stern, or it is something which is extremely strong when it strikes. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this word batsh in, in a number of places in the Quran. Uh, for example, the, the, the verse in Surah Al-Dukhan, يَوْمَ نَبْطِشُ الْبَطْشَةَ الْكُبْرَىٰ that on the day we will strike the great striking, Allah says. And the word batsh is used, meaning the, the severe punishment, the way that we will seize, the great seizing or strike, the great striking, on that day we will recompense everyone. And the scholars of Tafsir, inshallah, when we come to Surah Dukhan, we will see, they differ as to what that day is referring to. Some of them said it is Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Some of them said, for example, it is the day of Badr. Allah is referring to the day of Badr as uh, the day of Batsh al-Kubra because it was the day of the seizing of many of the leaders of Quraysh and the army of Quraysh. And so the point is that this word is used more than once in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what it refers to is a great strike or a great seizing that is done meaning a punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah he said إِنَّ أَخْذَهُ بِالْعَذَابِ إِذَا أَخَذَ الظَّلَمَ لَشَدِيدٍ That indeed... If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes or, or strikes with punishment one of the or some of the oppressors, then that striking is shadeed, it is severe, it is stern. As Allah says elsewhere in the Quran, that indeed the punishment of Allah is painful and it is severe. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse he is describing the type of punishment that is given to those people who harm his awliya. As an Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala said, that Allah is mentioning here to his messenger, his Prophet وسلم, that indeed the punishment of your Lord, meaning O Muhammad وسلم, the punishment of your Lord and his striking and his seizing of those who deserve to be seized in this way because of the way that they harm the believing men and the believing women, لشديد, it is severe and it is something which is, which, is, which is stern and harsh. And this is a, he says, Al-Tabari rahimahullah says, and this is a warning from Allah to the people of the Prophet wasallam that when Allah decrees that his punishment descends upon a group of people, just as he decreed that he would descend upon the people of Al-Khudud, those who tortured others in the trench because of their kufr and because of their rejection and because of the evil that they did to the believing men and women, then that is something which is severe. And we know generally, as we said, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when his punishment strikes, there is no one that can escape the punishment of Allah Azza wa Jal. And there is no one that can stay away from 
or be saved from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We mentioned examples of this, even in, in Surah Al-Feel, when we were speaking about the army of the elephants. Uh, this is now a few years back, but if you cast your minds back, uh, for those of you that remember, we mentioned narrations of how some of the scholars of tafsir, and it's most likely taken from, from other sources, but they said in, in some of the works of tafsir, that as the army of the elephant was, or the, the soldiers from the army of the elephant, as they were fleeing, some of them fled until they came towards Yemen. Because remember, they came from Yemen to Mecca. They were destroyed there by the, 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 the army of the, or the flock of birds that Allah sent. And some of them fled. Some of those narrations say that it was Abraha himself that fled. And others say he was one of his people that fled. And one of them came towards the, 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 the borders of Habasha and Yemen and that area. And that's where that, 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 uh, that stone, the clay pebble that Allah sent down as punishment, that's where it struck him. That's where he died. So no one can escape from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except those that Allah wills. So when the punishment of Allah comes, there is no escape from it and it is severe. And that's why in Surah Hud, in the story of Nuh and his son, when Nuh and his son was a disbeliever as we know, when Nuh was on the ark and he said to his son, Ya Buniyar Kamana, oh my child or my son, come and embark upon the ark with us, come with us. He said, No, oh my father, I will go to a high mountain, Sa'awi ila Jabal. I will go and climb to the peak of a mountain, and that's where I will go and I will stay. Ya'simuni min al ma, you will save me from the flood waters. So Nuh responded and he said, La Asim al Yoma, min amrillahi illa marrahim. None will be saved this day from the command of Allah except those whom He has mercy upon, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning there is no escape from Allah's punishment. This isn't like any type of flood or any type of hurricane or any type of natural event. This is the punishment of Allah. And the punishment of Allah, Allah decrees that it will find those people that Allah has will will be destroyed as a result of it. No matter where they go, no matter where they hide, no matter how high they may go, how far they may travel, Allah would decree that they will be punished as a, as, a, as a result. And so this is the statement, as we said, of Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala. No one can escape the punishment of Allah And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ بَطْشَ رَبِّكَ لَشَدِيدٍ That when Allah punishes, His punishment is severe. And so when Allah decrees punishment, it's not like other types of punishment that you may see in the dunya or you may see in other places. Allah's punishment is total. And Allah's punishment... Uh, reaches all those that he decrees it will reach. And Imam Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that Allah Azza wa Jal, when he punishes the evildoers and the oppressors, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his punishment is extremely severe. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at the end, towards the end of Surah Hud, وَكَذَلِكَ أَخْذُ رَبِّكَ إِذَا أَخَذَ الْقُرَى وَهِيَ ظَانِمَةً And such is the seizure of your Lord, or the striking of your Lord, when he strikes a group of people or a village or a town and it is oppressive. shadid, For indeed his striking is painful and it is severe. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is how he punishes Jalla fi ulah. That those people, inna batsha rabbika lashadid. Ibn Ashur rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir he said, and the batsh of Allah, the punishment of Allah azza wa jal, it refers to all of his punishments whether in the dunya or whether in the akhirah. So when Allah chooses punishment to come in the dunya, as we, as we mentioned in the stories of Hud and Nuh and Salih and Shu'ib and Lut and the people of Pharaoh and all of those people, 
When Allah decrees that his punishment comes in the dunya, it is adabun shadeed. It is a severe punishment. And inshallah ta'ala, when we come to those verses and stories of the Quran in which Allah speaks about the different punishments that people were given from the nations that are past, we will see, and we have an example of this already, as we said, we mentioned in Surah Al-Fil, it is a severe punishment. And he says, وَيَشْمَلُ تَعْذِيبَهُ إِيَّاهُمْ فِي جَهَنَّمْ And it also includes the punishment that Allah will place upon those people in the hellfire, meaning in the Akhirah. And so it is what takes place in the Akhirah, what takes place in the dunya. And so Allah his punishment always is something which is severe. And that's why uh, I think we mentioned the narration last week of Anas radiallahu anhu in the Muslim of Imam Ahmad, of the man who made dua in the time of the Prophet وسلم, asking for his portion of any punishment that would strike him in the Akhirah to take him to take place in the dunya. And so he became extremely weak and in great deal of pain and he had a very difficult time. And so the Prophet said, no one can bear the punishment of Allah, meaning in any way. But rather you should have made the dua, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar, asking for the best of the dunya, the best of the akhirah, and safety from Allah's punishment of the fire. And so this is this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to in terms of his punishment, that it is something which is shadeed. In verse number 13, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, إِنَّهُ هُوَ يُبْدِئُ It is he who brings people to life, and it is he who will restore them to life again. And this is the translation of Professor Abdul Harim in Sahih International. Indeed, it is he who originates creation and repeats. And Mufti Taqi, surely he originates creation and repeats it after death. And Muhsin Khan, verily it is he who begins and then in brackets punishment and repeats punishment in the hereafter. And then in brackets he says, oh, originates the creation of everything and then repeats it on the day of judgment. So you can see out of those four translations, three, Sahih International, Mufti Taqi, Professor Abdul Harim, all of them very similar. It is he who originates creation, meaning created uh, the first time, and it is he who will repeat or resurrect or restore creation. And then the, the, the translation that Muhsin Khan chose was regarding punishment. It is he who begins punishment and repeats punishment, meaning in the hereafter, even though then in parentheses and brackets, he mentions the other translation as well. And that is because, as we will see, these are both positions that you will find amongst the scholars of tafsir. The scholars of tafsir said that this verse refers to both things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to himself, obviously, when he says, innahu huwa, it is he who does so, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who does this. Um, Al-Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that Allah Azza wa Jal in this verse, uh, he said that the scholars of tafsir differed, the scholars of tafsir differed concerning what Allah Azza wa Jal is referring to in this verse, yubdi'u wa yu'id, what begins and what is restored or what, what is repeated. So these two words are two verbs in the Arabic language. Yubdi'u comes from the verb bada'a, to begin something, to begin something. And so it's the first time that something's happened, as we say, al-bidaya or bada'a, it begins with something. And al-i'ada, yu'id, is the verb for a'ada yu'idu. A'ad means to repeat something or to restore something or to bring back something. And so Allah Azza wa Jal says he is the one who does both of these things 
both of these actions subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's the one who begins something the first time. He's the one who restores and repeats something after that as well. But what is it that he begins and what is it that, he's, that he restores? That is where the scholars of tafsir differed as al-imam al-tabari rahimahullah ta'ala said. He said, some of them said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ أَبْدَأَ خَلْقَهُ فَهُوَ يُبْدِئِ بِمَعْنَى يُحْدِثُ خَلْقَهُ ابْتِدَاءً ثُمَّ يُمِيتُهُمْ ثُمَّ يُعِيدُهُمْ أَحْيَاءً بَعْدَ مَمَاتِهِمْ كَهِيَأَتِهِمْ قَبْلَ مَمَاتِهِمْ He said the first position is that Allah Azza wa Jal who first began creation. He was the one who created subhanahu wa ta'ala. He began life. He began creation. He is the one who began them and created them the first time. Then he will cause them to die. Then he will bring them back. He will restore them to life again after their death so they will be alive as they were before they had passed away. This is the first tafsir. And this was the tafsir that was chosen by a number of the scholars of tafsir from amongst them. It is al-dahak. He said that the meaning of yubdi wa yu'id ya'anil khalq. That Allah is referring to creation, its beginning, and then its restoration or its resurrection. And similar to this was the statement of Ibn Zayd. Rahimahullah, he said that Allah says, Allah began creation the first time when He created it, and He will return it, meaning resurrect them on Yawm Al Qiyamah. So, this is the first position, and this is the one that is more general, if you like. It's the one that was chosen, as you can see, by most of the translators, and it is the one that you will find in a number of the books also uh, of Tafsir. The second position is the other translation that was mentioned. Uh, the translation that was chosen by Al-Imam, uh, sorry, by Muhsin Khan, and, and that is Al-Imam Al-Tabri Ta'ala says that the other position, وَقَالَ آخَرُونَ and others said that the meaning is بَالْمَعْنَى ذَلِكَ إِنَّهُ هُوَ يُبْدِعُ الْعَذَابَ وَيُعِيدُهُ He is the one who begins punishment and he returns punishment, meaning he punishes in the dunya. And then he may return that punishment in the akhirah, whether in the grave or on the day of judgment in Jahannam in the hellfire. So Allah Azza wa begins punishment and He restores punishment subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's because uh, this tafsir uh, is closer in terms of context and meaning to the previous verse. Because Allah Azza wa says, In the previous verse, that indeed do the punishment of your Lord or the seizure or the striking of your Lord is severe. So Allah Azza wa here is speaking about the beginning of that punishment and its repetition or it's uh, when it is when it will come again again upon people, and it is said that this position was chosen by uh, Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu in one of the narrations that is mentioned of him that he said, "Innahu huwa yubdi'u wa yu'id, qala yubdi'u al-'adhaba wa yu'idu." He is the one who begins punishment, and he is the one who restores, repeats punishment. Uh, Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah taala, he said, "Wa awla ta'wilain." And the one that I consider to be the stronger of the two and closer to the context of what is being mentioned in these verses, Al-Qawlul Ladi Dhakarnahu and Ibn Abbas. It is the position that was mentioned from Ibn Abbas. And that is, That Allah is the one who begins punishment for the people of disbelief and then he will restore that punishment upon them as well. So as you can see, an Imam Al-Tabari chose this position to be the stronger of the two. And I think that is why Muhsin Khan chose it also because much of his tafsir is based uh, on choosing from Ibn Kathir and Al-Tabari. He often chooses in his translation the positions of Ibn Kathir and Al-Tabari. And so he mentions both because Ibn Kathir, as we will see, actually chooses the other position. 
uh, but At-Tabari chooses this one. And so he says, uh, continuing, he says that this is the stronger position because he says Allah said in the previous verses, فَلَهُمْ عَذَابُ جَهَنَّمْ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابُ الْحَرِيقِ Some of the scholars said, فَعَذَابُ جَهَنَّمْ For them, those people who don't who try and test the believing men and believing women and they don't make tawbah, he said that some of them, uh, that they will have the punishment of Jahannam, which is in the Akhirah, and عَذَابُ الْحَرِيقِ and the burning torment. And he said that some of the scholars, as we said, said that that is in the dunya, that they will be punished in the dunya as well. And so Allah Azza wa is saying that he is the one who begins their punishment in the dunya, and then he will return to how يُعِيدُهُ لَهُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ He will return it upon them in the Akhirah. And he says, and the reason why I say that this is, وَإِنَّمَا قُلْتُ هَذَا أَوْلَى التَّأْوِيلَيْنِ بِالصَّوَابِ And the only reason that I said that this is the stronger of the two statements of tafsir, or the two positions of tafsir, لِأَنَّ اللَّهَ أَتْبَعَ ذَلِكَ قَوْلَهِ إِنَّ بَطْشَ رَبِّكَ لَشَدِيدٍ Because this verse comes after the previous verse, then indeed the striking or the punishment of your Lord is severe. And so Allah Azza wa Jalla says, فَكَانَ لِلْبَيَانِ أَنْ مَعْنَا شِدَّةِ بَطْشِهِ الَّذِي قَدْ ذَقَرَهُ قَبْلَهِ So it's as if Allah Azza wa Jalla is now explaining or clarifying the severity of that punishment that he mentioned in that verse. And that is that the severity of that punishment is not only that it is severe when it strikes, but that it is not limited, but that it will continue, meaning that it's not just once, but that it will continue and it will happen more and more and it will continue to, to take place for them meaning for those that die upon their disbelief, they will be punished for it in the Akhirah as well. And we know that to be the case, for example, in the story of Musa and Pharaoh, that Allah says concerning Pharaoh, that even though he was destroyed and he was punished in the dunya, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish him in the Akhirah. That the fire will come upon the people of Pharaoh in morning, by morning and by evening, meaning in their graves, that they will be punished by it in their graves. And then on the day that the hour is established, and that's why we know that the first portion of that verse speaks about the, the, the grave, because Allah says, and then on the day of the hour, meaning on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, so therefore the one that came before can't be on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, has to be before, and the only thing that can take place between death and between Yawm Al-Qiyamah is what takes place in the grave. So on the, then on the day that the hour is established, أَدْخِلُ آلَ فِرْعَوْنَ the people of Pharaoh will be entered into the severest or most severe of torments and punishments, meaning the punishment of Jahannam. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishes in all of those places for the disbelievers. And so this is why Imam Tabari chose this position. He says, this is the i'adah. Allah is going to, subhanahu wa ta'ala, going to repeat this over upon them in the akhirah, in the graves and on Yawm Al-Qiyamah when they enter into the fire. This was the position that he chose, and Imam Al-Tabani and the narration of Ibn Abbas and so on. But as we said, the majority chose the other position. And this was chosen by a number of the scholars who came afterwards, such as, for example, Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that Allah Azza wa Jal, when he says, يُبْدِئُ وَيُعِيد, it is يَعَنِ الْخَلْقِ. He's referring to creation. He said, عَنْ أَكْثَرِ الْعُلَمَاءِ. This is the position of the majority of the scholars. يَخْلُقُهُمْ ابْتِدَاءً ثُمَّ يُعِيدُهُمْ عِنْدَ الْبَعْثِ He is the one who begins them, and he is the one who will return them, meaning in resurrection. And this was the position also chosen by Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala. He said, It is from the complete ability and power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah can create something the first time, 
and then repeat it just as it created as he created it the first time bila mumani'in wala mudafi'in without any opposition without any obstacles without any difficulty and this was even though ibn kathir obviously mentions the position of al-tabari as well but this is the one that he chose himself uh, it seems from his tafsir and allah knows best and it was a position chosen by the teacher of our teacher sheikh muhammad al-amin al-shilqiti rahimahumullah ta'ala jami'an that allah azza wa is referring to innahu huwa yubdi'u wa yu'id he's referring to the one that is referring to creation and both of those meanings are correct without doubt allah is the one who begins creation and allah repeats creation and allah is the one who descends or causes punishment to descend and allah is the one who causes the punishment to be repeated so both of those meanings in that sense are correct the question here is which one is more likely in terms of in terms of the tafsir of these verses but both of them are correct and therefore there is no harm in mentioning either one of the two or both of them. In the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 14, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, And he is the most forgiving, most loving. And that is the, the translation of Professor Abdul Harim, Mahsin Khan says, and he's oft forgiving, full of love, and then in brackets towards the pious who are true believers. And Mufti Taqi said, and he is the most forgiving, the most loving. And Sahih International, he is the most forgiving, or he is the forgiving, the affectionate. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, verse number 14, Allah Azza wa now speaks about the other, or, or speaks about a number of his attributes subhanahu wa ta'ala for the believers. So the previous two verses are for the disbelievers in terms of Allah's punishment and its severity and its speed and the way that it takes place. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now speaks towards the believers again. And he is the most forgiving, the most loving. And in the mention of the name of Ghafoor again, and the Ghafoor is 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 Sigha Mubalaqa. Uh, because the word Ghafir, right? Allah Azza wa is Al Ghafir, as he says subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Ghafir, Ghafir al-Dhambi, Waqabil Tawbi, Shadid al Iqab. Allah is the one who accepts Tawbah. And then Allah Azza wa is Al Ghaffar, the one who does that often, and Al Ghafur, the one who does it always. He is most forgiving, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, in the mention of this name of Allah Azza wa Jal, like we've mentioned now a couple of times in this in this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always keeps open the door of repentance and forgiveness and mercy. For the believers, that this is what you will have if you remain patient upon your iman and you turn to and, and you increase your iman and you stay upon good deeds and so on, then you will have the maghfir of Allah جل, his forgiveness and for the disbelievers for the oppressors that tawbah is also open for you so long as you turn back to Allah if you do so by accepting Islam then you will find that Allah is al-ghafoor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your Lord is oft forgiving most merciful subhanahu wa ta'ala so Allah is al-ghafoor jalla fi the one who forgives all sins and every sin other than al-shirk so someone who accepts Islam Allah is al-ghafoor to them and those who are Muslims and they turn back to Allah Azza wa Jal, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ghafoor to them. And for the believers who die upon la ilaha illallah, even if they have sins for which they are cleansed, then Allah Azza wa Jal ultimately with them is also al-ghafoor because Allah Azza wa Jal will take them out of the fire and eventually enter them into al-jannah. And he is subhanahu wa ta'ala al-wadud from the word al-wud. Al-wud means love. Uh, and he means affection, and he means tenderness and kindness and gentleness. All of these are 
the words that or the, the meanings of Al-Wadud. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from his beautiful names, Jalla fi Ula, is that Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who is most loving, meaning that he is the one that the believers love. There is no one or nothing more beloved to the believer than Allah Azza wa Jal, as the Prophet told us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, none of you truly believes until he loves, uh, until Allah is more beloved to him. Uh, or rather the, the hadith that Allah that the Prophet said that three things if you find them you will taste the sweetness of Iman that Allah and his messenger are more beloved to you than anything else so Allah is more beloved to the believer and then Allah is most loving towards the believer because everything that Allah does for the believers is good it's done out of love, it's done out of care and sometimes even the difficulties and hardships that you face you remember that Allah is al-wadud just like the parent for the child sometimes shows them what we call tough love. Does certain things that the child doesn't like, doesn't understand, doesn't truly appreciate. But ultimately it's good for that child. It's good for them in terms of their future, inshallah. It's good for them in terms of their tarbiyah, inshallah. It's good for them in terms of their iman and their akhirah, inshallah ta'ala. But maybe the child doesn't understand that at that age. But they'll come to know and understand, inshallah, when they grow up and they become old and they look back and they say, subhanallah, that's something which Allah azza wa jal, that's something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, decreed was good for me my parents loved me in the way that they did that for me and to Allah belongs the greatest of all examples so Allah Azza is a wadud towards the believers he's loving towards them takes them away from that which will harm them even if they think there is good in it for them and takes them to a path that is better for them even if they think that it is more difficult for them and so the believers also turn towards the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's why Ibn Abbas he said that the meaning of Al-Wadud, the name of Allah Al-Wadud, is that he is Al-Habib, the one that is beloved, and the one that is loving, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Ibn Zayd said that the meaning of Al-Wadud is Al-Rahim, that Allah is the one who is most merciful. And Ibn Juraj, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Al-Wadud, yawaddu ala ta'atihi man ata'ah. He makes those who... One who, uh, that the one who obeys Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah makes good deeds beloved to them. And that is the way that the believer then becomes. That not only is Allah beloved to them, but everything that is beloved to Allah becomes beloved to them. So the Prophet ﷺ is beloved to them. The Quran, the book of Allah is beloved to them. Salah is beloved to them. Ibadah is beloved to them. The dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal is beloved to them. The other believers, by virtue of their belief in Allah, are beloved to them. And so this is something which Ibn Juraj rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned, that Allah Azza wa Jal not only becomes the most beloved thing to you, or most the most beloved one to you, but then everything that is beloved to Allah becomes beloved to you. And that is how the believer then is. They look at those things that are most beloved to Allah. What is loving, what is pleasing to Allah? What does Allah love? What does Allah want from me? And that's what they base their life upon in every single situation to the best of their ability. That is what they are trying to do. And so this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to when he says he is al-wadud. And so the one, if you think about this, the one who has this understanding, this mindset, this iman, in this amazing name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the attributes that it contains, even in the most difficult of circumstances, they will never despair from Allah's mercy. They will never believe that they have been abandoned or forsaken by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can they when they know the meaning of the name of Allah azza wa al-wadud? Does the mother ever abandon her child? Does uh, the parent ever abandon or, or the beloved one ever abandon the one that they love? 
that they that they that their life revolves around. So the believer for them, their life revolves around their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their love for Islam, their love for the Prophet, وسلم, their love of the Quran. So why would they ever think that Allah would abandon them? And so they love Allah and they see the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for them every time they worship Allah, every time they read Quran, every time they study the religion of Allah, every time they deal with do a good deed. Because how many Muslims don't pray, don't do good deeds, don't read Quran, don't seek knowledge, don't have anything or very little to do daily when it comes to worship of Allah and coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they see in what Allah guides them towards, what Allah gives to them of blessings, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them to do, the success that He gives to them in their actions and in their statements, they see the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said in the tafsir of this verse, وَهُوَ ذُو الْمَغْفِرَةِ لِمَنْ تَابَ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ ذُنُوبِهِ وَذُو الْمَحَبَّةِ لَهِ Allah is the one who is forgiving, possesses forgiveness for the one who repents to him from his sins, and he possesses love for them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Al-Husayn ibn Waqid, rahimahullah, Al-Husayn ibn Waqid is from the students of Ikrimah, and Ikrimah, as we know, is from the students of Ibn Abbas, rahimahullah ta'ala, wa radiya anhum jami'an. Al-Husayn ibn Waqid from the students of Ikriman, he was a judge of his time. Uh, he said that the meaning of Al-Wadud is Al-Ghafoorul Al-Mu'mineen Al-Wadudu Li-Awliya'i. Allah forgives all of the believers, but He loves His Awliya'i. And we know that Allah Azza wa Jal loves His Awliya'i. Because it's mentioned in a number of verses, a number of ahadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ibn Kathir Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said, يَغْفِرُ ذَنْبَ مَنْ تَابَ إِلَيْهِ وَخَضَعَ عَلَدِيهِ وَلَوْ كَانَ الذَّنْبُ مِنْ إِيِّ شَيْءٍ كَانَ Allah is the one who forgives the sin of everyone who repents to him and turns back to him with humility and humbleness, no matter what that sin is, obviously with the exception of, of shirk, no matter what that sin is, meaning for the believers. So long as they're upon iman, Allah will forgive them for it. And Al-Wadud, he said, he mentioned the statement of Ibn Abbas, and others that they said that the meaning of al-wadud is he is al-habib, the one who loves subhanahu wa ta'ala. And al-Qurtubi ta'ala said the same thing, al-wadud is al-muhibbu li-awliya'i, the one who loves his awliya' and the one who is beloved to the awliya' of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he mentions the statement of al-Dahaq that he said that Ibn Abbas he said that he said in the tafsir or the meaning of this name al-wadud, he said, just like one of you, just as one of you loves his brother and he gives to him good news and he shows him that love. And to Allah belongs the greatest of examples. Imagine the most beloved person to you, the most beloved person to you and what you would be willing to do for them, what you would be willing to sacrifice for them, what you would be willing to spend for them, all of those things then Allah is more beloved to the believers than that. And the love that Allah has for his awliya is greater than that love for anyone else. As the Prophet told us in the hadith of the woman who lost her child and she was searching for him and when she eventually found him, she took him and she hugged him and held him close and tight to her. So the Prophet said to the companions, do you think that that this woman would ever throw her child into the fire? They said, no, Messenger of Allah, never would she do such a thing if she could avoid it. So he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and Allah is more merciful to you than this mother is to that child of hers. And that's why the Salaf used to say that if we had a choice between on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, between Allah being our judge and our mother 
being our judge, we would choose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that is our iman in Allah's mercy and His forgiveness and so on that Allah tells us about in the Quran that the Prophet told us about in the Sunnah that the mercy of Allah is far greater than anything else. Allah divided His mercy into 90 parts. Only one was revealed to the dunya. All of that, everything that you see from mercy, everything that you see and hear about and experience ever that has taken place in the dunya of mercy and forgiveness and kindness, it's from that one part of mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 99 Allah kept with himself Jalla fi ula. And in some narrations it is said, and there's, uh, you know, like some of these wordings are not necessarily authentic, but in some wordings of the hadith, and that one will return to Allah on Yawm Al-Qiyamah as well. To meet up with the other 99, so the 100 become complete. But the 100 are for the believers on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Or the 99 are for the believers on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And that's why those scholars used to say, we would choose Allah over our own parents, over, over our own mother. Uh, and he says, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, وَهُوَ الْوَدُودُ الْمُتَوَدِّدُ إِلَىٰ بِالْمَغْفِرَةِ and he is the one who comes or becomes beloved to the awliya of Allah because of his forgiveness for them. And that is the link between these two names of Allah Azza wa Jal, that they love Allah because of their forgiveness. They know that Allah Azza wa Jal is patient, forbearing, forgiving, no matter how often they sin and how many times they sin and how great their sins may be, they know that Allah will always be forgiving. And that's an amazing attribute, even in human terms, if you know that no matter what wrong you did, what mistake you made, there's always someone that's going to listen to you, forgive you, help you, be with you. That's like one of the greatest people in your life, one of the closest people or the greatest people that you can that you can expect to have in the dunya. Someone who doesn't judge you, always be with you, always help you, always be there for you. That's why parents normally have that role with their children. No matter what their children do, they'll always be there for them, they'll always help them, they'll always pardon them and forgive them even if they do something which is wrong and bad and so on because of the love that they have for them so what about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who forgives and he pardons and he and he and he and he changes evil deeds into good deeds and he rewards and so on because people turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's why Mujahid said this is the person who is beloved to the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I want to conclude uh today's lesson by just mentioning a statement of or a passage from one of the books of Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala and he says rahimahullah ta'ala that the name of Allah azza wa jal speaking about this verse al-ghafur al-wadud he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ghafur and al-wadud he says no that when a person commits a sin a sin is like a an illness a disease a spiritual illness and tawbah or repentance is like the cure for the illness. So when a person sins, they're sick, they're ill. And when they are cured from the illness through tawbah, and they therefore return to their full health, that is from the greatest uh, mercies or blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The tawbah of Allah azza wa jal, he says, to make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says it is a sign from the signs of Allah's love for that person. Because a person wouldn't be able to make tawbah, wouldn't be guided to tawbah, wouldn't think or, or even consider making tawbah, were it not that Allah Azza wa loved that person. Because it is from the greatest acts of worship, from the greatest good deeds and ta'at, obediences to Allah Azza wa that you can perform. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Inna Allah, Allah loves those who frequently make tawbah. 
So Allah Azza wa Jal's love is for the people who make tawbah. And that's why Allah Azza wa Jal is mentioning these two names together here. Love, and that Allah Azza wa Jal loves, and that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala forgives. is tawbah. And as the Prophet told us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, not only does he love to forgive the people of tawbah, but Allah Azza wa Jal is happy when they make tawbah. As the Prophet told us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that Allah Azza wa Jal ashaddu farahan, is more happy and joyous at the repentance of one of his servants than the man who's in the middle of the desert and he, leave, he, he, he loses all of his provisions and his animal and water, nothing remains and he thinks he's about to die in the middle of the desert from, from thirst and then the animal returns with all of his provisions. He would be extremely joyous because he was on the precipice of death, at death's door and then that same animal comes back to him. He didn't do anything, he didn't chase it, he didn't call for it didn't think that it was ever going to come back, but it returns of its own accord. How happy would he be? How joyous? Allah is happier when a person makes tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why he says that from the traps of shaitan, is that when a person sins, shaitan comes and he says, your Lord loves you less. Allah loves you less. And that is only true up until the point that you don't make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah doesn't like sin doesn't approve of disobedience. So when a person sins and disobeys Allah Azzawajal, then yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes what that person has done. But when that person turns back to Allah Azzawajal and makes tawbah, then it's not a sign of dislike from Allah Azzawajal, but it is a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves him or her, that they have turned back to Allah Azzawajal. And this is the relationship that the believer has with their Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala, that relationship of love, that they know that the love of Allah Azzawajal and his forgiveness encompasses everything. So therefore, even when they sin, they know that they can always turn back to Allah Azza wa Jal and they do so knowing that Allah's love for them will only increase, not decrease. That Allah Azza wa Jal will only love them more for their act of tawbah and for turning back to Allah Azza wa Jal and continuing to do ibadah as opposed for them to turn and stay away. That's a human thing, that you do something wrong so you ignore that person and you stay away from them and you avoid them because you know that that person won't really ever truly forgive you. Allah Azza wa Jal is free of such such weaknesses and such deficient traits. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and Allah Azza wa Jal when He loves subhanahu wa ta'ala, He loves for His awliya in a way that He forgives them and then that love not only returns that He had for them but it increases because that because Allah Azza wa Jal loves those people as the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith and this is all obviously from the statements of Ibn Qayyim uh, but I'm adding as well uh, from the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the man who sins and then turns back to Allah Azza wa and Allah says that my slave knows that he has a Lord who forgives sins and so he forgives him and then he sins a second time and a third time and then Allah Azza eventually says that he will continue to forgive him so long as that person makes tawbah so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't decrease doesn't ignore doesn't become annoyed or fed up but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves that that person makes tawbah and continues to make tawbah and so it is from the traps of shaitan that when a person sins they think that now they have no recourse or no return back to Allah Azza wa Jal. Rather, Allah is Al-Ghafoor Al-Wadud. Allah loves those who make tawbah and Allah loves to forgive. And the believers love Allah Azza wa Jal so they always turn back to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala but with tawbah, asking for Allah's forgiveness, seeking Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's mercy. And this is the verse that Allah Azza wa Jal therefore mentions in the context of this surah. The surah that speaks about trials and tribulations and hardship and oppression and difficulty. The believer they know who their Lord is subhanahu wa ta'ala and they know that Allah Azza wa is Al-Ghafoor of forgiving Al-Wadud, the one who is all-loving subhanahu wa ta'ala 
and so their relationship with Allah Azza wa Jal is one that is based upon that seeking Allah's pleasure, seeking His reward, and fearing His punishment, Subhanahu wa Taala. And with that, inshallah Taala, we come to the end of today's lesson. Uh, if there's any questions, inshallah, we'll take them. With those, we'll conclude for today. Uh, someone's asking, will we be punished for our sins in the dunya or the akhirah? So it depends. Allah Azza wa Jal can punish people in the dunya or in the akhirah. But if you make tawbah to Allah Azza wa Jal and turn to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala with sincere tawbah, then Allah doesn't punish neither in the dunya nor in the akhirah. So Allah forgives sins, and that is the default position, therefore, of the believer that they turn to Allah Azza wa Jal in tawbah. Otherwise, Allah may punish people in the dunya, and Allah may punish people in the akhirah, one or the other, or both, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses. And that is why the Prophet told us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that when the believer is, uh, is or succumbs to some difficulty or some hardship or whatever it may be, then that is an expiation for the sins that they have committed. That which you're struck with of calamity and hardship is as a result of your own actions. So Allah may choose to punish people in the dunya, Allah may choose to punish people in the akhirah. This is obviously the believers. And Allah may choose to forgive them in both the dunya and the akhirah, even if they don't make tawbah. That's up to Allah Azza wa But if they do make tawbah and it's sincere, then Allah forgives in the dunya and He forgives in the akhirah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because as the Prophet told us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the one who makes tawbah is like the one who has no sin. So Allah Azza wa calls people to make tawbah. And it is something, therefore, that the believers should be doing often and continuously. Okay, so inshallah we'll conclude there for today. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa sallamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.